It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hacking cars is a Hollywood trope, but it's real. And thanks to the Internet of Things, sometimes you don't even need to hack the car directly. A hacker that goes by the alias LM found a way to hack almost 30,000 accounts of people who use two GPS tracking apps. By taking control of the accounts, the hacker not only accessed the user's personal information, including names, emails, and home addresses, but he also gained the ability to kill their engines. The two GPS tracking apps are called ProTrack and iTrack. They're made by two Chinese companies that not only sell physical internet-connected GPS tracking devices, but also the apps to monitor the cars. In other words, it's the Internet of Things inside a car with default passwords. What could possibly go wrong? As this SUV drives down the highway, these two hackers are pulling off the unthinkable. No matter what happens, don't panic. Taking control of it wirelessly, even turning the wheel. Today we're here with motherboard reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bicirai about this hack, which really sounds like a rejected script from a Black Mirror writer's table. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So Lorenzo, you got a bit of a scoop this week on something that I think a lot of security researchers at least and a lot of people are interested in because it's something we all use, cars. It's a car hack. So explain, I mean, what did you find? Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, a hacker that I've been in touch with here and there messaged me saying, hey, I hacked two GPS tracking companies and not only I can monitor thousands of cars all over the world, but I can also like kill their engines. And kill their engines? It, yeah. And initially my response was like, uh, okay, you're full of shit. Um, but then I, I talked to him and I, you know, I dug into this story and yeah, I mean, probably he was telling the truth. So what happened here is that he was able to figure out a way to hack into the accounts of users and customers of uh, these two GPS tracking companies. One of them is called uh, ProTrack. The other one is uh, called iTrack. They're both owned by larger Chinese companies. They're not related to each other, but the platform that they use is the same. We don't know exactly why, but probably they have the same third-party provider of software. But anyway, the guy, the hacker figured out that every customer as a default has a password of one, two, three, four, five, six. Which is a like classic don't-do-that password-making. Yeah. It's so dumb. And so so he figured that out, and then he realized that he could uh, use the API for the two apps to essentially brute force or guess all the usernames. So he just fed the API with a script and, um, like, randomly tried every username he could come up with, or rather his program could come up with, and tried to log in with the default password, one, two, three, four, five, six. This way he harvested... He says around 30,000 accounts, which means not only he got the information that the users had within their accounts, but he also logged in as them. So he could, you know, check out their fleet of cars. And uh, these apps also give you the ability to stop the engine. The way it works is that, uh, let's say that... Which is, by the way, one of the most, you know, typical car hack worst fears almost like equated to 
getting access to the power grid and turning the lights out. This is like getting into cars and killing their engines when they're on a highway or when they're <laughs> when they're driving in a street. Yeah, that's kind of like probably one of the nightmare scenarios in InfoSec, right? Because yeah, we it's talk- literally it's like one of the this, the craziest apocalyptic yeah. things. Yeah, like we've seen in movies, you know, it's starting to be like a like a trope for hacking movies or act like Fast and Furious, I think, had a car hack in the last movie. No one's ready for this. I want every trip with a zero-day exploit in a two-mile radius around that motorcade now. There's over a thousand of them. Hack them all. So in this case, the hack was not that dangerous, as far as we can tell, because the way that this works is that if you have, let's say, a fleet of cars, so you're like a company that sells tours or you have a a cab company or something you can buy gps trackers like actual physical hardware devices you put them in your car and you connect them to the engine so these devices are now some of them at least are connected to the internet so both the companies that got hacked here uh, not only provide the apps but they also provide the hardware so you buy their gps tracker you install in your car and if you want you can connect it to the engine and the apps allow you to stop the engine if you want. So, like, I think that the use case is the driver tries to steal the car or the car gets stolen, gets lost, whatever. The good news is that at least for one model that we were able to verify, you can only kill the engine if the car is going under 20 kilometers per hour or 12 miles per hour. That was kind of the case as well with the hack, the, you know, the famous Wired story about car hacking with Charlie Miller. It was the yeah. same thing in that case where it was you, they couldn't actually kill the engines at like 100 miles per hour or anything like that. Yeah, I don't remember what was the limit there, but there was definitely some sort of fail-safe or limitation that made it a little bit less bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still kind of creepy for sure because... I mean, it's, it's incredibly un- unnerving. I think it's yeah, this, the, the and, way that this, this whole story is, is makes people think twice, you know? We're, we're not going to be... We're at, a, we're at a point where cars are... are going to be increasingly on these types of networks. Not only that, we have, you know, the advent of smart cars that are just going to drive us around. This is, you know, what, only a few years away, probably? Yeah, probably. And and even without, like, self-driving cars, like, we probably don't realize, well, first of all, we don't realize that basically cars right now, even, you know, what the car that you get at Zipcar or whatever hurts, those cars are essentially computers with wheels, and that doesn't mean that you should, like, freak out and think that, you know, someone is going to hack you while you're on your honeymoon or something. But it's still something that we need to grapple with and something that manufacturers need to grapple with. And to their credit, the major car manufacturers have done a lot of work securing their cars. You know, they hired secure researchers. They, you know, they created security teams that did not exist before. But the problem in this case, in this story, was that it doesn't matter what car you have. If you install one of these GPS tracking devices and you use one of these apps, then it's kind of a supply chain hack, right? Like this guy hacked a third party that was inside these cars. And even though it could probably not kill anyone, luckily, and, you know, to his credit, the hacker said that he never tried to mess with the engines because that was not what he wanted to do and that was dangerous. But even if he didn't, even if he was not able to do that, he could, like, track cars all over the world and that's probably something you don't want to do as if you have a you know one of these companies that uses one of these apps so 
I mean, it's it's kind of scary that today there's like companies that ship software with one, two, three, four, five, six as password. I mean, that's irresponsible. I mean, it's incredibly irresponsible, especially when, you know, InfoSec community is, has shamed users for doing stuff like that, let alone actual companies that create these accounts. Like, what what are you thinking? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's 2019, guys. Like, you cannot you cannot expect users to change their password without telling them to. I mean... I think we spoke about this in the podcast before, like the industry blames victims too much, right? And in this case, you could say, well, this is the user's fault. They kept their default password. But that's not the, I mean, the real problem is that the company allowed them to keep a default password. You know, like the way it should work is, okay, yeah, maybe when you create the account, you give them one, two, three, four, five, six for whatever reason. I mean, you you shouldn't. But even if you do that, then force a change of password after one day or I don't know right away like something like that like I mean the question becomes like where's the quality control <laughs> I mean it seems like there isn't uh, <laughs> I contacted both companies and one of them did not respond to our emails and the second one immediately went on the offense which is a red flag right away like they were like why are you contacting our users are you involved with the hacker everything is fine and it's like Guys, like really in 2019 you're going you're going to come at me for this? Yeah, and you know, maybe there was something lost in translation cuz it's a Chinese company, so I I don't want to read too much into their tone of an email, like you know, it was an email, but it definitely seemed a little bit like who are you? Why are you asking all these questions and are you working with the hacker? And it's like you know, no. <laughs> come first of all, sit down. Like your users are in danger right now, so maybe you should worry about that. So yeah, I mean, going back to your question, the quality control was probably non-existent. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I guess it also does this whole hack makes you wonder how realistic is that mass hack in the future of being able to hack tons of cars that are going over 50 miles per hour and, you know, killing the engine like, how possible is that going to be? Is it as science fiction as we like to think it is? I think, in my opinion, that's very unlikely, unless unless some company does something really stupid. And I'm saying that it's unlikely because think about iPhones, for example. Like, we talked about this in, the, in a podcast a few weeks ago. Like, you can hack iPhones. Like, no one is denying that. And you, you're going to be able to hack cars. And, you know, that's always going to be... A, possible because software will have bugs and hackers will find these bugs and exploit them. But one thing is to hack one single car and one thing is to like target thousands at the same time. So for example, we haven't seen a worm like a virus worm for iPhones. Um, we haven't seen like a massive attack for iPhones. So if car manufacturers can take that model and replicate it, then they'll be able to limit the damage. Which is to say, again, probably someone will get killed by a hack in a car one day. Or maybe already have. Or, But probably we will not see, like, hundreds of cars on the same highway, like, 
getting their engines killed all at once. Like, I think that was actually the plot of uh, Fast and Furious. Right. I mean, I remember there was there was all these conspiracy theories back in 2013 when journalist Michael Hastings was killed and his car had slammed against a wall and all, all these people were saying, you know, this was a car hack and it was a conspiracy to kill him by the CIA. I mean, I, I, I would definitely, I would not want to play into conspiracy theories, but car hacks are possible. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with uh, that famous Wired article and video. Like, those guys, uh, Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek, they just took a a cruise uh, a jeep i think it was they started it and figured out that they could not only monitor like cars in real time but they they could take advantage of a a bug in the system to kill the engine while the cars were was running and that led to that insane video where andy greenberg is driving down the highway and they start playing music on his uh, entertainment system and you know it's all laughs and then without telling him they killed the engine while he's running on the on the highway so and you know that was sort of a controlled hack but that was what could have happened right like that was not a stunt that was not a demo like there was a bug that was fixed eventually but the bad guys could have found it too you know we just got lucky that i mean who the good guys did who is this who is this hacker lnm what's what's he done before in the past he has hacked a bunch of uh a couple of uh, st- stockerware companies before. He doesn't want to say where he's from or who he is. He only goes by L and M. I don't know why. So he, he seems to be kind of like a random hacker in the sense of you know just a guy who likes to hack stuff. His methods are a little strange because, like in this case, he reached out to the companies and said, "Hey, I found I hacked you. Do you have a reward for me? Like a sort of a bug bounty." which is not how bug bounties work. Like, <laughs> you can't hack companies and then ask for a bug bounty. The hacker shared a, an email uh, that the company sent him, and the company was like, uh, we don't have that much money. Can you give us a low price? Which is ridiculously funny as well, but also kind of sad because, again, like these companies are used by thousands of people and for probably very sensitive stuff, you know, like their cabs or whatever, the cars in their, their trucks. So, Yeah. Do you see this type of hack increasing in the next few years? I, I think so because, again, like I think car manufacturers are doing a decent enough job so far, but also we don't know exactly how good they are, right? Because it's um, all this is pretty new. Cars didn't used to be connected to the internet. GPS trackers did not used to be connected to the internet with like Android apps. So the chances that there's some companies out there cutting corners and, you know, using third-party developers that have no security training, it's pretty high. I mean, this is this seems what, what happened here. Like, these two Chinese companies outsourced the development of the app and did not realize that whoever developed the app was shipping it with a default password that anyone can guess, like, literally anyone can guess. And not only anyone could, could guess it, it was mentioned in the API, but I guess the other question is, too, is the connected hardware that could come with a car that is smart as well, right? Like, it's not just necessarily the the, the engineering of the software in the, in the vehicle as much as it is the, these, you know, third-party apps that come in and say, hook this up to the car and it can do this. Where's the quality control on them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's both hardware and software. Like, if you think of, of a car as a computer on wheels, then you have to think about, okay, is this car getting updates? How is it getting updates? 
how long is it going to get updates? Because, you know, like we change phones every two, three years. We change computers every few years. But people keep cars for a long time. So as these cars are getting connected to the Internet, are they going to keep getting security updates for how long? I mean, that's the big question, right? If I'm buying a car that's connected to the Internet right now, is the manufacturer committing to patching it? And if, if yes, for how long? Will I have to pay for the patch or not? And if I have to pay for like the updates, maybe some people will not do it. When you drive an automobile today, you are driving a big computer system that happens to have wheels and a motor. In the case of the Wired article and the, the, that famous car hack, the car manufacturer issued patches. Uh, I think in that case, they sent out actual USB keys to customers so that they could update the software. And that was, I think, that was the first time that something like that had happened. And But we're going to see it more and more. You know, your iPhone gets updates every one or two months, more or less. I mean, it's not regular, but like every year, obviously, there's a huge update. But throughout the year, you get updates as you go. I, you know, you wonder if the government's going to get involved with sort of mandating some standards because, you know, unlike your cell phone, your cell phone doesn't blow up when you're listening to, I mean, generally they don't. <laughs> they don't blow up on your head and kill you. But driving in a car is... Samsung. <coughs> Sam, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's spicy. For all you Samsung users out there, bad move. But yeah, um, you know what I mean? It's It's true. Like... A car can kill you yeah, in I mean, a lot of different ways. It's a great point. Like, you know, computers and phones at the end of the day are just gizmos, right? Like, yeah. what's the worst case scenario? I mean, obviously, you get hacked, it can be bad, right? Depending on who you are. You can lose all your money, yeah. blah, blah, blah. What information your you get. <laughs> yeah, but here we're talking about something that, like, you know. Life or death. Yeah, life or death. And, I, and the other question is as well, you know, you say, you said earlier, like, oh, th- probably this won't happen. It's unlikely. But then you look at something like the Boeing crashes that just happened and this these weren't hacks but this was software it was a related software bug yeah it was a software related thing and the company clearly it looks like at least the allegations are that it really was was shortcutting a lot of things in order to to sell these 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 planes quicker so you know how could this not happen with with cars or something to think about yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just being optimistic or skeptic or, you know, I'm putting too much faith into these giant corporations. I mean, the hope is that, you know, these are companies with a lot of money. So hopefully they understand the risks and they understand that, you know, even just one person dying from a software bug, it's a huge cost. So just think about how much bad press Uber got when their self-driving car crashed and killed someone in the U.S. Is that worth the extra software development that you need, is it worth, you know, the security search that you have to pay? I mean, I think so. I mean, obviously, I don't have a budget. I don't have a company. It's easy for me to say. But, like, again, we're talking, as you said, we're talking about life and death. Um, like, something like this is a PR nightmare. You know, like, somebody's iPhone getting hacked is a is something, is a PR nightmare that you can control, right? It's not that bad. But, like, somebody's car getting hacked and them dying or killing someone because the brakes don't work or something that's like you know that's front page news for days i mean call me crazy and a luddite or something but you know when that boeing stuff happened it did make me think about how willing we are to let software sort of 
overtake the human operator in some of these very key places. You know what I mean? Like it's, and, and, and trust me, I definitely trust technology and understand technology and it's going to get better and better where even the, the, the human operator will be, will be outmatched. But in these early stages, it seems like we are prone to these, these lapses and in the actual, the mechanics of this, this type of software. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, to go back to the story, we don't know exactly why this password was set to one, two, three, four, five, six, but my explanation, and I'm guessing, I guess, and or speculating, is that it's kind of simply it's it's the simple way to do it, right? Like you just give every user the same password, and that way you don't have to you don't have to pay for some sort of password generating. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it just makes it simpler, right? So so if you're cutting corners like that, those are the risks, though. And um, as you said, yeah, like. Especially at the beginning, when we're you know we're putting the internet on these devices, and maybe we're not thinking about it, it's very dangerous. But the problem is that I don't think things are going to get necessarily better as we understand the technology more, because the more we put software on these you know machines like uh, cars or even airplanes, it's going to get more complex. And with more complexity, there will be more bugs, and with more bugs, there will be more hacks. So the key to all this is to really think about what you want to put like the features that you want to put on your machines uh, very carefully like do you want to you know do you want the plane engine to be connected to the internet like probably not like i don't i can't think of a good reason right so um, yeah same thing with the car engine should it be connected to the internet i don't know like why would it be unless it's a self-driving car and you want to take it over remotely even in the case of like a stolen car like I mean, I understand that killing the engine in that case can help, but I don't know. It's still like, what are the trade-offs, right? Like, I'd rather not have the internet connected to my car engine and accept the risk that if it gets stolen, I I may not find it. Well, on that gloriously happy note, I think we can end the podcast. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you for having me. Producer, interviewee. I have a double hat today. (laughs) Just shameless self-promotion is what this is. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I actually paid you to to have me on the podcast. Finally, no, someone that, that's pays a joke, me for this thing. To listeners, <laughs> it's not. He he actually did. Uh, anyway, okay, bye. Bye, bye. This week's episode was recorded by John Northcraft, edited by Sophie Kazis, produced by Lorenzo Franceschi Bikirai, and hosted by me, Ben Maku. We'll see you next week. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.